Good morning, everybody. I'm Charlie Fink. I'm here with Ted Chilowitz for This Week in XR, and it is uh, August 5th, 2022. Before we get started, let me read a short message from our sponsor. Uh, this Week in XR is sponsored by our friends at Zapper. Their award-winning in-house Zapper Creative Studio makes mobile AR experiences for the world's leading brands. You can also make uh, AR experiences yourself using Zapper's web-based tool, Zapworks. But that is not all. Zapper also makes Zapbox, the world's most affordable smartphone-powered mixed-reality headset. Check them out at zapper.com or zap.works. And with that out of the way, uh, we have a great guest today, Ted. Catherine Henry, head of SVP of Metaverse Strategy for Media Monks. Uh, Media Monks, a consultancy and strategy company uh, that also helps some of the world's leading brands. So, yeah, we had her, uh, we did a talk with her at AWE, and she is a fascinating and very well versed uh, <laughs> sort of entity that really kind of gets all yes. this stuff. And in fact, uh, I've got other meetings this morning that I'm tight on time with. So, I'm going to let you do that just with her, and I'm going to do run, run the news recap with you this morning. Cool, cool. Well, let's 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 talk about a couple of things. I mean, first of all, in the news this week, not our usual corporate M and A nonsense, but some real virtual reality making the world a better place. Where uh, surgeons in Brazil used uh, uh, VR surgical planning uh, using real CT scans and MRI scans to separate co-joined twins at the head. Right. One of the doctors described it as space age stuff. Uh, but to me, it's a great, you know, we get tied up in the consumer gyrations and uh, short-term stuff. But this is long-term immersive technology making the world a better place. Yeah, it's it's interesting you mentioned this week. We have an interesting swath of news that is not just from the big boys this week. No. So. Um, and look, medical technology and medical use cases is something both you and I are very passionate about. Uh, I found this story fascinating and inspiring. And it's what's interesting is it's not just one of one, it's one of many. I mean, this yeah. is making a little news, but almost on a daily basis, I'm on the board of a big healthcare organization in Florida. On a daily basis, mixed reality and virtual reality tool sets are being used across the sector uh, on, a, on, you know, it's almost becoming a mainstream use case for uh, bringing in remote training, remote doctors, remote use cases. Um, so that's a that's a nice sort of state of the industry that's doing a lot of good for a lot of people. So from the sublime to the almost ridiculous, we have uh, Quest's most popular basketball game, which is from App Lab, yeah. which is the not official Quest store, uh, a company called IRL Studios. I love their name. <laughs> IRL Studios has an app called Gym Class, uh, which has just raised $8 million for, from Andreessen Horowitz. They're graduates of Y Combinator and uh, all sorts of um, techie CEOs investing in this. Uh, so uh, kind yeah, of exciting. Is... The video that I posted on the, the column is is very exciting. I don't know if it, whether I'm up to virtual basketball, but it looks like a pretty great. Well, app. the beauty of it is, is I'm sure you are. That's the great thing about virtual <laughs> basketball. But there's a there's a bigger story underneath this, and I know some of our listeners will remember something called Gorilla Tag, which lived on this same trajectory. There's a great part of what's going on with the Quest 
which is not the big commercial space, not the big budget studios doing stuff, but independent guys and girls doing interesting things, posting them up in the app lab world, letting sort of, you know, the users gravitate to them. And, and it's kind of an organic growth part of the platform, whether Meta wants that or not, it's an important part of an ecosystem to not just have, you know, the, the top shelf kind of AAA stuff uh, working, but things that can actually find an audience organically. And Gorilla Tag was one that did that a few months back. And now this one is, is the next one. So that's a, it's a good state for the industry to watch this kind of stuff and see these things um, find success and then find funding. A lot of uh, the most important artistic apps in XR are actually made by individuals or small groups of people. I think of Eugene Chung's work yes. at Penrose Studios, Alamet, uh, Arden's Wake, and um, you know these these are not giant companies making these things. Um, <clears throat> even if you think of Baobab, uh, which you know made many of the great early 360 videos that you know came out with mobile the early mobile uh vr headsets or mobile ar headsets i should say um based on smartphones so um you know i think it's pretty exciting that independent artists are being um as they always are in a new medium among the first to kind of try to stretch the uh yeah the technology to tell stories because you know they don't have the shot or the cinematic language that informs all other media so they have to right. and, I, and i think it's interesting you know the, those companies that you mentioned went out within a within a business dynamic to raise capital and then go build that creativity and deliver that whereas this type of stuff with the virtual basketball stuff and the gorilla tag stuff literally are kind of just joy projects that that you know like inspired creators put out there into the world with no idea how they're going to make money or create a business out of it and then the business comes to them and that is a really important part of the ecosystem it's really fun to watch that so we have some ar headset stories this week ted yeah, three absolutely. to be exact which is very unusual actually um so we have new eyes in samsung uh, creating uh, AR solutions for uh, a headset that tethers to a smartphone, and they're focusing on AR solutions for headsets uh, for uh, healthcare. Right. Uh, and then there you go. there's our healthcare story. Yeah. And then Exomi, uh, a company that doesn't is not well known in the United States, but is one of the biggest companies in China, uh, are are launching something called Mija glasses for less than four hundred dollars. Mm -hmm. It's a micro display with a very high end Sony OLED. Uh, and they're saying that they're targeting it toward active consumers. Uh, I'm not exactly sure what that means, but it sounds a lot like uh, what New Eyes is doing. And then there's also something from a company called Active Look, which makes goggles for skiing and, and glasses for, um, you know, active athletes, you know, running triathlons or, you know, doing bike racing. Uh, that are very inexpensive for what they are, uh, and they also tether to a smartphone. So it seems like these tethered, um, you know, glasses uh, are are kind of making a, a comeback here. Uh, you know, we've always known they were there, but it's interesting that sort of three companies are throwing this up right away. It suggests when we get to CES in a few months, there's going to be more than a couple. Right. And, you know, it's interesting that CES is just a few months away. That's sort of a shocking thing to think about. <laughs> but you made, 
you and I have made reference to this thesis a number of times on the podcast. When we talk about the the writing of the device, right? Meaning there are certain devices that companies are focused on the kind of graphics and the kind of information delivery that are not these fully immersive, very expensive, very bespoke devices, but they're designed for kind of light touch information. And those that you mentioned today are kind of entering this market um, to sort of look at, you know, the, the pros and the cons of what Google Glass attempted to do. And then when Google Glass bought North, that's a similar style of design and, and design concept. And even our friends at Mojo Vision that are doing the contact lens, similar concept, right? Which is not trying to fill up and make these like magical mixed reality machines like a magic leap, but something that's much more sort of productive and utilitarian. So map information, phone call information comes up, um, statistics, yeah. kind of like the stuff you get on your watch, your Apple right. watch that sits up on your eye. And for the medical professionals, going back to our healthcare discussion, yeah, the idea great. of bringing up statistics like instantly without having to look at a computer or go to their assistant or look down at a phone um, is pretty powerful, right? So yeah. there's a lot of different use cases for the versions of mixed reality, and you can keep costs very low when you focus on what we call light touch sort of graphics, which is very powerful. So a uh, couple more stories before we get to Catherine. First of all, um, Snap has done its first game. I did not. Yeah. Know. Have you played there, it yet? Is it out yet, or is it? Um... It's out. Yeah, it's called Ghost Phone. Okay, and, good. I'm gonna uh, download it and, and play it has it. it has a Pokemon Go kind of vibe to it. Um, it's on. You can find it on Lens Explorer if you have Snapchat. Uh, so that's the fun last story. The unfun last story is it sounds like uh, the IVAS deal between Microsoft and the U.S. Army is hitting some serious headwinds. Yeah. Uh, and it kind of reflects sort of what's happening at, at Microsoft itself with Alex Kipman leaving and the big reorg to their XR groups there. Uh, but uh, bad news because of the scale and the promise that program had and also its support from the actual people inside of the army. But Congress obviously not as impressed. Well, and I think you and I saw this coming, right? We talked about it a few mm -hmm. times. It was a head scratcher for us that the HoloLens with what it did and even with the customization, again, was not probably the right fit for a military application, whereas something much lighter touch that can run power all day and be almost weightless to the soldier um, is probably a better, better yeah, one solution. Of the, so one I think of the, they're coming to that same conclusion. Yeah. I mean, somebody said that they thought they should they could make night vision goggles a whole lot better before they worried about adding new information. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So very telling. So we've got Catherine Henry from Media Monks. Uh, I see she's in the waiting room. Ted, I will let you go. Enjoy your interview. Uh, we, and I will, we will miss you this afternoon. Catherine, Catherine is almost as smart as you are. So I think she will hold oh, her. I, 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 I bet she's way smarter <laughs> than me. So I'll be listening this afternoon when I'm done with my meeting. I'll see you next Friday, Ted. Thanks, Charlie. Good morning, Catherine. Good to see you. And thanks for joining us on the show. Good morning, Charlie. It's always a pleasure to see you. Last time we were together, we were at AWE talking about um, big ideas with Mike Boland, Ted, and the great Alvin Grayland, president of HTC. <laughs> That's right. That was a fantastic roundtable. And I, I love the title of that. It always reminds me of the Coneheads from SNL. And I'm dating <laughs> myself right now. But yeah, right. that was fun. Really yeah, fun. Yeah, we were thinking so big, we had extended craniums. <laughs> it still hurts. You know, it, it, I thought it, 
I said at the time I was worried that we were all going to spend the whole panel uh, agreeing with each other. And then Alvin came out and said he thought that most places in the metaverse were going to build, be built by AI. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> hey, listen, I believe that a lot of content probably will be built by AI because it's just easier. You know, it's cheaper. Why why hire uh, half a dozen interns when you can have, you know, Siri or, some, or something similar, write it? So we'll see. Meta demoed a a voice uh, enabled automatic metaverse builder, mm -hmm. and actually Mark Zuckerberg demonstrated it so you could say, "Build me a beach," and you would be in a beach scene. Or I'd like to be in a park, and it would put you in a park. Yeah. Then you could say, "No, it needs more park benches. No, it needs more trees." And the yeah, the world building bot just makes them appear. <laughs> I can see that getting surreal really quickly. And moreover, I always say that, you know, when was the last time you asked Siri more than one question or Google? Because I'm agnostic when it comes to these uh, voice assistants. But when was the last time you actually got the answer that you were looking for? I mean, half the time I have to repeat it. So I think uh, it's going to be a long time before the our AI and robot overlords take over. Yeah. I uh, uh, Somebody's got to program those robot overlords after all. <laughs> That's true. So I, uh, for our listeners who aren't in the know, what is Media Monks? <laughs> well, Media Monks is one of the world's largest digital media companies. And we've been in the business since, you know, the dawn of the dot-com era, really, since 2001. And so it's been really exciting to see the trajectory over time as we start to build out everything from advertising to media production, virtual worlds, virtual events. Um, we do media analysis and social media influencer outreach inter-alter, including also strategy. So we're a massive global powerhouse with some 9,000 people across four, 54 countries around the world. And wow. so it's, it's really a lot of fun. We work with major brands, advising them about what the metaverse is, mm -hmm. how to get all the, you know, the management on board, talking about what the opportunity set is for them to monetize the metaverse, and most importantly, to also think about the Web3 implications and, and how we can really innovate the core business so that it is more integrated with this new shift that we're, we're entering with the 3D web. Do you think most companies should be building metaverse content right now? Not necessarily content. I think that it really depends on the type of company. I mean, we work mm -hmm. primarily with brands that are looking to do, to establish a presence in the metaverse. But, you know, I think about the Logitech uh, experience that we did for Roblox. It's weird because, you know, you wouldn't think that a company that, you know, computer company that's, you know, computer mouse, you know, mostly for its, right. its mice, but, you know, technology, what are they going to do in Roblox? And yet we created right. a really fun experience that tied them with this new generation of TikTok creators, which are really driving, they're the driving force between behind most of the innovations in the entertainment industry, as we know. And so they're really tapping into this really cool segment with the TikTok awards that were held on um, in Roblox. And so it was a super exciting experience, the first live show with, um, with, with, Gail and Lizzo and major performers. And it really, you know, it really tipped the perception of this, you know, brand that could be conceived like Intel or IBM, you know, kind of a little more traditional uh, IT or technology company mm -hmm. into this new space. So there are ways to bring um, brands in, but, you know, you really want to think more intelligently about it and think long-term because I'm not really a big fan of these one-off experiences or you have to do an event. 
I'm not a fan of the cookie cutter solution. And that includes NFTs. Uh, well, NFTs have uh, entered a bit of a winter here. Do you think that they're going to recover? <laughs> Actually, I'm uh, I'm really excited that this happened because I think that we were entering a period, you know, I used to work in investment banking as a tech specialist for some 15 years. And so I feel like, and, and we talked about this, uh, we've, we've, We've rode through some of the the bumpier eras from the dot com collapse. I used to advise dot com mm. uh, companies that were going to do their IPO, so you know mm. going to market, and then that kind of the floor fell out under some of what we considered some of the biggest names in the industry. And then later, of course, we also lived through, for me anyway, the hedge fund collapse. I was working with a with a hedge fund. It's algorithmically driven, so always <laughs> in the in the tech space. And so, you know, we've seen these corrections and I think they're healthy and they're natural because this is a, this is in any fast growing company, there is some that just don't have a solid business model. And there's some whose time was not just right, you know, either too early or too late or too poorly managed. So this is a healthy correction. And I think that, you know, the, the exuberance was pretty irrational. It was pretty overheated. And I think that it's going to um, just slow down some of the activity there so people can maybe take a more intelligent approach. Will this mean that NFTs go away or that the interest in NFTs goes away? I don't think so. Um, but I do believe that we're going to see a kind of a bifurcation of the market where you see the art NFTs continue to soar because the art market has always been very highly valued. And, um, you know, scarcity is really kind of a primary driving element to pricing in that space. And then when it comes to branded NFTs, people are going to spend whatever they spent in real world. So if it's for baseball cards had a certain value, I think it's going to be more or less adjust to those levels. It's not going to be just because it's a digital asset. So exciting times ahead for to be sure. But again, proceed with caution. Again, it's all about strategy and, and thinking long-term. Well, it's also true that all NFTs are not created equal. And if you look, for example, exactly. at uh, Board Ape Yacht Club, which I uh, wrote about in the column this week. There was a terrific article in Fast Company uh, that um, shared the insider history, if you will, of Board Apes. Uh, and not only did they have this spectacular um, NFT sale, but then they doubled down by offering a land sale to their NFT holders. Yeah. So they were, uh, and, and they collected almost $250 million. They broke, they overheated the Ethereum blockchain, which uh, <laughs> is not an easy thing to do. No. <clears throat> so they seem to be thriving in a world that is uh, collapsing around them. Yeah. Well, I think that, um, you know, this is smart strategy and it wasn't just because it was celebrity driven. It's because they really understood the potential for community, for creating potentially content with this. And so actually it's really interesting to see, and this is one model that may succeed and may really be the, the blueprint for future success in the metaverse world is to take this IP and turn it around. If you think about Hasbro, for example, Hasbro was like this, they had toys and then they turned those toys into entertainment. So now you have these blockbusters like the Transformers. Mm -hmm. And that's interesting because who would have thought that the car is actually turning, unlike Disney that had these marvelous stories that then turned into action figures and heroes. And mm -hmm. so it's just a, a flip in, in, the, uh, in the business model, but a very interesting one and one to watch for sure. I wonder if um, Media Monks has a point of view of, of what uh, the internet experience is gonna look like in 10 years. 
I will not speak on behalf of 9,000 people and I don't have to ask <laughs> uh, Sir Martin Sorrell himself or, or Wester Har, uh, our, our brave <laughs> leaders. But um, I will say that, you know, 10 years from now, of course, it's going to be very different. But I think what we're looking at is a very dynamic um, media engagement model that that means that we're not going to have any one particular way of, of accessing the internet. And I think much of it's going to be mobile driven still or some sort of wearable. Um, as you know, my 72 page wearables report <laughs> kind of just maps out my thoughts on where we are in the, the near and slightly longer term. But can um, people get their hands on your report? Is it published? Yeah, it it's uh, it's it's on my LinkedIn. It's one of my featured articles. I have all oh, my XR intelligence series are on there, and I am building a web page, but I get really caught up in writing articles, so I admin. <laughs> but um, when it comes to the the longer term of of the three internet, again, it's it's a dynamic engagement model, and I think that with wearables or, um, you know, we're going to see different ways of approaching it. Now, I happen to be a big fan of VR, as you know. I love mm. being in VR. I made my own VR film once. Uh, at, I went back to film school and it was just super exciting to learn this new medium. And I think that with, with all the creators, we're seeing a, a vast new creator economy and that is so powerful. So I think that the, the worlds that we're going to see, persistent worlds in our own physical space with augmented reality, as well as the worlds that we can build in a virtual space. It's just tremendous. And it's hard to wrap our heads around. It's kind of like the early days of the iPhone. Whoever thought that some random stranger would rock up to my house, you know, park outside and I go, oh, there they are. I run outside, jump in there without knowing this person, just jump in their car and they take me to the airport and drop me off no money exchanged. Now, not today, the concept like Uber or, you know, Uber Eats is totally normal. But really, in the early days of, of iPhone, who would have guessed that that's the possibilities mm -hmm. that it opened up or mm -hmm. even finding a future partner? You know? mm -hmm. it's, just, mm -hmm. it's really weird if you think about it. So I think that we're going to see a lot of really weird but really cool stuff come out of this, hopefully, within the next five to 10 years. Um, the um, Matthew Ball's book came out and created a big stir. Um, he's the guy who's been writing the essays uh, about uh, the internet, largely inspired, as it turns out, if you read his book, by Tim Sweeney um, ah. at the games. Um, and Sweeney, of course, is is device agnostic. He doesn't think that there's, uh, you know, everything's going to be based on a browser, right? There's no, right. Uh, it, it's going to be device agnostic. Exactly. So that's an interesting contrast to uh, Facebook or, or Meta, uh, which I think sees it as VR first. Everybody has their own sort of self-interest front and center. So although you've got Meta acknowledging that it's going to be device agnostic, clearly their view is VR first. Um, so that's an interesting contrast that's uh, sort of developed early in the sweeps early in this contest on one hand you have uh fortnite which represents to me at least um an internet that is evolving into more of a, a video game experience and then on the other hand you have uh vr which requires that you actually occlude the physical world right and move around in a fully digital world so that you have presence and co-presence with other other people so right. it's a very very different view i don't feel personally 
like there's a whole lot of presence in Fortnite um, or, or really in anything I do on my phone. I mean, if you, um, I, I suppose you could say I'm present when I'm looking, scrolling through Instagram or uh, uh, TikTok or Instagram. Yeah, Instagram, TikTok, they're like the same now. I don't even know what I'm looking at. <laughs> Have you noticed that? That they like... Well, you're not make... a phone person. You're not a phone person, and neither am I. And I get it. And I think when it comes right down to it, I uh, mean, it's just not going to give you presence. They're not going to give you shared sense of space, but neither does Zoom. You know, me staring. Well, that at is you, certainly you, true. <laughs> yeah, me staring at you in your in, in your world in your background on this flat surface. I'm very aware of the distance between us. Whereas in VR, that shared sense of space really does give us a sense of being present in the same place obviously but yeah. also a shared memory and i think that really changes mm. the, the dynamic of that conversation and that interaction and that it's so rich and it's hard to explain unless you've really spent some time in vr what i would say is that meta i wouldn't i wouldn't say they're putting all their eggs in the virtual reality basket because we don't know what's happening you know until we see some of those glasses come out mm. next year yeah. you know let's just see what that looks like um and but i am really impressed by Zuckerberg's passion to be mm. the the leader in this space as a company and as an individual and I feel like somebody's got to step up to it in the same way that mm -hmm. you know Steve Jobs was the you know the leader of the mm -hmm. the iPhone evolution so really really super impressive and you know let's just see what comes out of it now does this mean that they're going to continue to be the leader going forward it's anybody's guess mm -hmm. Well, I, Zuckerberg certainly has courage and conviction. Um, yeah. You know, he has tattooed the metaverse on his arm. So to speak. <laughs> I uh, actually know somebody with a Unity tattoo on their on their a dev on their neck or something. It was really a, a, that was a great sign of devotion. <laughs> yeah, next level. But I mean, I, I didn't read Matthew Ball's book. I think it was brilliant. And I've been following his blog for a couple of years now. And I didn't know that he was following Tim Sweeney, but I, I am, to, to your point, also device agnostic. Um, as I said before, I do believe it's going to be a dynamic engagement model, but I wouldn't really put my money on any one particular horse. I think it really depends on what you like. Now, I know some people at the AR house here in LA who absolutely believe that like AR is the way that they want to engage with the world and that's why they're developing for it. But others say, you know, it's the pass through VR or they like the option of occlusion. Mm. And so VR is their preferred medium. I personally love VR and I don't see the dystopian aspects. I see a lot of promise, especially for industry, um, entertainment, obviously, in, you know, social media and, um, you know, and the future of education. It's so, so very powerful. And we've seen that proven in study after study. So it, well, it's that's, a, that's an interesting right? um an interesting topic to explore a little bit. Um, what is the future of entertainment in VR in particular? <laughs> what is the future? I feel like- I mean, I, again, you know, what kind of entertainment, can, <laughs> what kind of entertainment can VR bring us that is not a game? Well, here's the thing. That's kind of my current obsession is I'm looking at social behaviors in the uh, in the metaverse and I'm, mm -hmm. I'm going to, full disclosure, I am writing a book on this. It'll come out next spring. Nice. But, um, Can't wait. Super excited. Um, and so does it have a title? I can't tell you yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the title is part of the big, the secret sauce. All right. Good. Um, so what we're talking about is really looking at this, these is, well, going back to media theory, 
which is, you know, from the days of Marshall McLuhan, but even earlier from, say, Thomas Kuhn, really looking at behaviors and how they change over time with specific innovations and, you know, uh, and new media. And so this is, to me, a tool that enables different kinds of interactions. But, you know, our core functionality as humans is, you know, we're kind of hardwired to is create and seek community and but what does that mean online and how can we then take this and turn it into a storytelling medium so i think and this is just me riffing you know when when we saw a lot of the issues around let's say roe v wade or don't say gay in in florida i was thinking it's going to be very difficult for companies not to take a position because values matter so much to people so that connecting with communities is really about connecting with values mm-hmm. it's the thing if you were to say create documentaries or special moments in VR, you wouldn't necessarily have to really have a line about these things. You could really kind of show, don't tell what your values are. So I think that there's a space for storytelling in the same way that you might underwrite, I don't know, uh, an education program. And so that could be a really powerful medium. I do see it evolving faster in education than branded storytelling. Mm-hmm. I think that that's a space that a lot of companies could really explore more deeply. Um, the second thing is, you know, I, I've written the draft for interactive reality shows <laughs> in VR. There's a lot we can do, um, but it's really about outlining that for companies and showing them the way. And I think that because of the pipelines in entertainment are so long and so detailed, it's hard to integrate that. But I think we're starting to see that in baked into some of the movie premieres and some of the the highlight moments, special worlds. But the important thing that entertainment companies should know is that they're already happening. The fans are building, and I've done this on LinkedIn too. I uh, videotaped my experience in a Shrek world, which is like the Louvre Museum, only all dedicated to moments Shrek. (laughs) Like, you know, Shrek avatars, Shrek games. They took every single Shrek um, merchandising box that you can imagine from Shrek pizza to Shrek, I don't know, whatever. And they recreated it in VR. This must have taken somebody hours, if not years. Where, where is this? Is this in VR chat or where is this? It's in VR chat. Um, there's a Shrek world well. in VR chat. Is it a PC world? <laughs> or can somebody get their own it's, quest? It's PC and mobile and they're multiple. This person is obsessed. Mm. And then I also visited a Spider-Man. There's also park. somebody's been doing an homage to Disneyland in VR chat. I, I love the Disneyland and VR chat. There are a couple yeah, of them, but there's one that has like eight different portals and one mm-hmm. is super dark. Yes. The other ones go back to the black and white. You saw that one? The black and yes. white. Mini- yes, oh, yes. That's one of my favorite. Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of the faux Disneylands in VR chat. <laughs> Me too. I, um, I am surprised the actual Disney has not yet shut all that down. But uh, I in, the meantime, in the meantime, it is a, a great example of uh, bespoke fan art. I mean, it's all done with, a tremendous amount of uh, respect and affection. So uh, exactly. it, it would be um, uh, the not nice Disney that would take it down. Um, you know, the interest is the interesting, right? Because they they have to make these decisions, right? Like they here's Mickey Mouse crudely driven on the drawn or painted on the outside of a preschool. Yeah. Right now, should <laughs> Disney object? <laughs> it's a very well, close call there because you don't want crudely drawn Mickey around. On the other hand, people did this out of love and respect for you, so yeah. you can't go police them. 
Yeah. Well, I would say this is not crudely drawn. This is one of the most sophisticated Disney worlds I've ever seen. Really? Frankly, it's so fun. Charlie, I will go with you anytime. That's All one right. of my favorite spaces. We have, we have to make a date to do that. The um, <laughs> So I have a question for you because you're so bullish on VR. And, and of course, I am too. My entire career is based on it. But um, I do have a secret fear. Uh-huh. And my secret fear is... Are we going to get out our headsets? Because I have get out, get out. No, I just realized <laughs> I left this thing on. Um, the uh, I'm worried that a lot of these are sitting in the back of people's drawers. Mm. I, you know, I, I wish know. there was a way to find out of the 10 million or so of these things that are out there, how many of those 10 million have been used in the last 30 days. Do you know what, Charlie? I'm more worried about the people who say that you know these NFT marketplaces are full of people. Uh, you yeah. know, we're, we're getting a lot of misinformation. I mean, yeah. we heard just yesterday, I think the numbers came out that some 1 million, you know, units were sold in what the last quarter alone or something. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we'll, who knows, but, uh, but that was Bolin. He was, Bolin was playing with the numbers and trying to back out Okay. the $300 yeah. headset to the $900 million of revenue and see if he could, uh, yeah. see if he could, uh, get out of it some estimate and i think he came up with about 925 million but you see i mean you know i posted recently the trajectory of how many years it took for us to adopt like the telephone or televisions and and these things take time what i would say is you know again these marketplaces that are boasting numbers that are really 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 ambitious at best and i won't name names but we know which platforms those are it just makes me pause because I feel like there's a lot of disinformation out there and that's why I encourage people to follow people like you like Matthew like Kathy like you know me Tony uh Vitilo and Kent Bai I think that there are a lot of people out there who are really striving for truth and understanding the future direction of this of of the medium and really helping people through a lot of the the chatter and the noise one thing people have been, uh, and, and we only have a few minutes left for our chat uh, this morning, but uh, a lot of people have been asking me, both in my um, consulting business and, and just socially, what should I do? What should my business do, right? People are feeling the FOMO. It's like we were talking a little bit about the early days of the internet. I don't know if yeah. you remember this. In the 90s, people were like, if I don't have an email address, I'm going to pay a business price and and perhaps a social price. Right. Right. I'll be, I'll be left behind. Uh-huh. Uh, are people going to be left behind in the metaverse if they don't get into VR or read Matthew's book or uh, start understanding how Web3 works? Are these going to be critical business skills or or is it uh, too early? Where are we in this? <laughs> people ask me all the time and I, I know there's them? not just one answer. <laughs> what but, do you but say? What do I say? Well, I, it, you know, look, I mean, it's 2022. I'm looking at this decade as the decade where we sort of go from no one living in an immersive 3D world to everyone living in yeah. one some of the time. So I'm that's what kidding. I think is going to happen over the course yeah. of 10 years. That said, this is 2022. It's not 2030. I yeah. think in 2030, uh, the FOMA would be legit. In 2022, it may be a bit aspirational. Exactly. But baby steps. And I think that there's something to be said about you know, getting out there and making mistakes or trying things out. I mean, I look at brands like Nike that are crushing it. They 
clearly get it, you know, and it works so well for their brand. And I'm a big, big fan of pretty much everything they've done in this space mm -hmm. and so many things across like, you know, VR, AR, you know, Roblox, Fortnite, mm -hmm. I mean, <laughs> everywhere, the skins, it's just ex extraordinary, but not every company is a, is a, you know, a high value retail company. Sure. What I would say is though, you don't want to be Sears because you know, <laughs> Sears, you know, was just like, we have catalogs. Why do yeah. we need this World Wide Web? Yeah. Who is using this internet anyway? <laughs> and, yeah, it's you know, true. You know, when you put it that way, Sears should have been Amazon. Yeah. So this is what happens. This is the risk that you have this really comfortable business model and you think, I don't really see how this is going to impact us. We have brick and mortar stores. We have catalogs. Who wants more? Right. You know, we are the de facto leader in this space. But guess what? Artifact which was, was actually Nike's biggest competitor online because online, the physical value of your brand has, makes no sense anymore. It doesn't matter anymore. So if you, everything you've carefully crafted over the past, whatever, however long your brand is, is doesn't have any value anymore in the, in the virtual world. So we have to recraft it for this new medium. My dog is saying that it's time to go. I see. <laughs> I, I think he just saw somebody from the balcony walk by on the street, and now he's losing his mind. So <laughs> there's not a better way to be wrapping up than to be interrupted by a uh, impatient dog. He hasn't eaten breakfast yet either. Oh, so. poor thing. I'll Catherine, let you thanks go. for speaking with me this morning. It's 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 great to see you, even though we're not fully present together. Uh, <laughs> next wait. time we're going to get together in VR chat and go for it, uh, poking around. I can't wait. Let's do that soon. Thank okay, you so much, I would Kelly. really enjoy it. Catherine, thank you very much. And uh, I wish you and everybody who's listening a great weekend. See you bye next bye Friday, everyone. Bye.